Well, good morning and welcome to this very special edition of both Red Sea Roundup and Shoulder to Shoulder. I invited Megan to come and do a special little bit longer segment than normal for our Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. So the format's going to be much more like Shoulder to Shoulder than what you may be accustomed to with Red Sea Roundup. Um, I want to do this like kind of once a year to just... To share this little gym, I feel like, of Megan and I are creating here in the background of um, KEDC, a podcast offering, and um, really love it. So I'm glad you can join us today for this very special edition. So let me just welcome... Megan Silas. Hi, Pam. It's fun to be doing this. Uh, we did it once before, uh, right when we first started out the podcast. And so I'll let you speak more to the Red Sea Roundup folks, uh, and I'll speak more to the to the shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder folks. For those of you who are podcast listeners but really aren't familiar with what Red Sea Roundup is, Red Sea Roundup is a, is a live radio program that airs every week on uh, Red Sea Catholic Radio, which is based in College Station, Texas. And uh, we it, actually, I have a history with it. <laughs> the, I, the, when I uh, right soon after I converted uh, to the Catholic faith 10 years ago now, just celebrating my anniversary uh, at the Easter vigil this year. Um, I started uh, volunteering at uh, Red Sea Catholic Radio, and then uh, in as grow grew out of that uh, the the program Red Sea Roundup, which I used to host for several years before I moved out of College Station, and now how, how many years did you host it? I've I think been it trying was to remember, three, wasn't it? Three years, two and a half, three. Well, anyway. Uh, and then now Pam is one of the hosts uh, of it. it took so four of us to replace her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but anyway, so it's so fun to be doing this now, you know, having come back together with Pam to do the podcast, which has now been like a year that we've been doing the podcast, which is awesome. That's amazing. Um, to do this uh, crossover is, is fun. So, right. Uh, and you know, Megan, I like to share a little bit. Um, people often ask me, like, why do you do a podcast? Like, what are the origins of that? So so I kind of want to give a little history of uh, why do we do the podcast? And it takes back to over a year ago. Dennis was really wanting, the station manager, wanting to branch out in offering podcasts to our listening audience as well through our app. And I was really praying about wanting to help him fulfill his mission for the radio station. That's just a passion of mine. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit says, you know, you and Megan could sit down and just have a conversation like that and be awesome. And I don't want to just say, okay, yay. Yes, but our conversations were always very, um, let's say, meaty. I don't know, for mm -hmm. lack of a better yeah. word. Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. And, and I had listened to a lot of other podcasts that are fairly popular. And I remember thinking, yes, we, we could really do that. And so then I approached Dennis saying, and actually I've approach Megan first to uh -huh. see if she'd be willing to drive up from Houston once a month to to come and record with me. And you were very generous and said, yes. Well, it was a, it's absolute joy because uh, we do have so much fun having the conversations that we have. It's, you know, it's one of those things where we say, well, even if nobody's listening, it's still worth it to us because so uh, how much we enjoy the conversations. And so, yeah, I think it's been uh, just a fun and fruitful uh, year of, of great conversations. And we look forward to getting uh, in the studio to record every time. And uh, 
So I just anticipate that it will continue to do so. And right. uh, it just seems like there's never an end to to the topics that could be discussed. And I think that's very uh, appropriate because right. the Lord is infinite and wonderful and beyond uh, all telling. <laughs> and that's so, so you know, we could just talk and talk and talk. And it's almost like uh, it's that foretaste of heaven, right? So Where, you yeah. know, we're just going to spend eternity with our brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, contemplating the divine. And so that's what we try to do here. Each time right. we come together is just contemplate uh, the beauty and wonder of God and who he is and who he calls us to be. And before we start really getting into more of our story that you have to share today, the b- background between why we named it Shoulder to Shoulder, I think is beautiful because we need that. You and I, you know, that was like we were doing that, but we hadn't articulated the shoulder to shoulder aspect of it. So you go ahead, because that was your well, idea. Yeah, so. I mean, it really came from there's a quote from C.S. Lewis talking about friendship and, and how friendship is really about, um, you know, people's say, you know, within a, an individual friendship, you know, two people standing shoulder to shoulder, looking out at the world together. And so with, so the shoulder to shoulder aspect being walking together, accompanying each other with an outward facing view of, of mission in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when you, you know, look at that, as far as being Christians, we are called to mission, you know, we are sent we are we have been given a great mandate by the lord to go forth and make disciples but we're not meant to do that alone and scripture is very clear on that he talks about how he sends the disciples out two by two and and this idea of growing together in the lord you know truly creating real deep relationships that are ordered towards God and sharing the things of God with each other and then yes. also going out and sharing it with others. You hear it very often called community, like mm-hmm. this is your community, even though your community could be just a group of, um, in my case, five or six women, a little prayer group that you're always getting together and you know, being Simons for one another to help mm-hmm. bear crosses and celebrate joys. But speaking of the gifts, I mean, that's one thing that we could do a whole series on spiritual gifts. Oh, sure. As yeah. well. I, I just just finished uh, leading a book study on the book called Fruitful Discipleship uh, by Sherry Waddell. Um, which is all about the charismatic gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and how they are very much in, given by the Lord for the mission of building the church. And exactly. so, yeah, we could certainly talk about um, those and, and how they function in our lives and how we discover them. Um, yeah, I have to say it changed my it changed my life when I started realizing the gifts that the Lord had given me because before that, uh, I never thought I had any. I mean, I really yeah. didn't because none of my manifest physically. Mine are just interior. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought I had none because it doesn't manifest in the world. Yeah. And the reality is, is that sometimes in sort of a striving towards humility, uh, Christians can go too far off the end and, and think, you know, think I'm so little, I'm nothing. I have nothing. I am nothing. And the reality is, no, every baptized Christian has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. And the question is, do you have you recognized what they are and are you unpacking them? Are you unwrapping these gifts that the, the Lord has given you? Because a gift given is meant to be used. It's not Amen. meant to be sitting on a shelf uh, right. collecting dust, you know. So. But, you know, I believe in these day and times, Megan, and we can get in more into this when you start to tell us your story, is we don't really know 
the gifts, number one, and we don't know how to ask for them. We're unaware of them and even how to use them because if I speak from personal experience, some of them sound kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but it's very common and has been through the ages past, you know, from biblical times. Mm. Why do we why do we look back then? Oh, but that was then. That was, you know, two thousand years ago. It's not right. the same now. Well, you know, there's it's becoming all the more the same in 2022 than it was even back in 2000 or yeah. 2000 years ago. And I think it's an interesting point that you make regarding, um, you know, these idea of like more, the more dramatic things though you use the term crazy, but I think you're, you're speaking of things that are clearly outside of the, the natural world, right. unexpected, unexplainable, miraculous. And I think we often give lip service to the concept that God does miraculous things, but we actually don't expect to see miraculous yes. things, you know? And then if something is like, seems really unexplainable, we, we are grasping for, for materialistic or uh, natural explanations. And we, the last thing we ever want to attribute it to is God. Right. And yet, and then we look at the Bible and we think of the Bible um, as the inspired word of God. But then when we like really start looking at how we're actually living in relation to the Bible, we often look are actually living in relation to it in our hearts and minds as more of a storybook of a fairy tale about these, these wonderful things that happen. But, you know, maybe they were, yeah, they're true. They were real. But yeah. that was, yeah, that was way back then when Jesus was like walking on the earth. So now that he's not walking on the earth to do this stuff, like, you know, it's all said and done, but that is absolutely contradicts scripture. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself said, when I ascend to the father, you will do greater things than I have done. Amazing. And the fact is, is that we don't live often in a place of expectation that the Lord will do great things in us and through us. And when they do happen, we're like scrambling to give some explanation other than, wow, God did a great, amazing thing exactly. in and through us. They're like, we're surprised. Yeah. yeah. I know? love it that right now, you know, in the scriptures, we are in the Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. You and I are apostles. Amen. We'll claim it. We have that ability should the Lord grant it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But speaking of granting gifts, Megan... I want to start at the beginning of your story. Where is that beginning? I mean, I don't know where the beginning of your story. Um, my brothers and sisters, we're going to be talking about supernatural gifts today, as we've kind of alluded to mm -hmm. in this like introduction. And Megan has a beautiful story to tell us. And I'm really looking forward to hearing it with more detail. I've heard it, right. but with more detail today. Well, you, and I will, I will, you know... You know, take away a little bit of the suspense. In particular, we're going to be talking about uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, which I think is a really um, often very misunderstood, controversial, uh, you know, just sort of flashpoint in, in the Christian world. And uh, so I'm hoping that in sharing the, my story that as it relates to it, uh, that, that maybe bridge some gaps between, you know, these kind of camps that may be all in on this sort of thing or totally like weirded out by it and don't like it. Um, but I will say that um, if you are a podcast listener who has listened to some of our podcasts in the past and you listened to a uh, one of our podcasts where we talked about charismatic Catholicism, 
that episode is very timely to part of this story. And so if you haven't heard that one, either if you're a Roundup listener who hasn't listened to any of the the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast or you're a Shoulder to Shoulder listener and you have listened to some, but you haven't listened to that one, I almost would challenge you if you have time <laughs> to pause button on this right, right now and go back and listen to that one because it's really interesting how the timing goes. But you, now we're going to tell the whole right, story. Right, but we do need to let our listeners know how they can listen to this past episode of Shoulder oh, sure. to Shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I listen to it on Spotify mm-hmm. or I listen to it on the Red Sea app. There's yep. both ways that I listen to it. What about you? You can also listen. I tend to listen to it on Spotify. I think it's a good platform, but you can also listen to it on Podbean. I've listened to that on that before. You can also listen to it on Apple Podcasts. So pretty much any of the podcast platforms Your that you listen to, platform. yeah, um, you can you can find it. So and the, the logo is black and white with an S two S. Right. Yeah. So sh- when you search shoulder to shoulder, use the letter two. You can just search that on Google and it'll probably pop up in all the different spots. So. Right. And then when you open it, you can see the different titles of the different um, podcasts and look for Charismatic Catholic and it should pop up. Yeah, I think it's a Charismatic Catholicism, I think awesome. it's called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if you'll find it, it's kind of somewhere in the middle, I think. It's, it wasn't like a really early one, but it wasn't a really late one. Oh, okay. Um, so, so around yeah. the 50s somewhere. No, actually, now that I 40s, think about 50s? it. How long have we been doing this? Because I think this all happened... A, not that much longer than a year ago. Like, so keep it might talking. Have been one of the earlier ones. It. No, no, no. Just let people Google because we need to get going. Otherwise, I'm not going to have time right, to tell the right. story because it's like a long story. So if I'm going to really begin at the beginning of this story, I have to go all the way back to when I was four years old. What? This is how far, this is how much this story has woven itself in my life and God wove it in my life. Um, so when I was four years old, um, my parents became evangelical Christians. Prior to that point, my dad grew up Methodist and my mom grew up in the Catholic church. Um, but her, uh, Catholic upbringing was very much a cultural thing, not so much a deep faith, you know, real deep understanding of the faith. So by the time my parents got married and were having children, they weren't really practicing any faith in particular. They weren't going to mass definitely. And I'm not sure if they went to the Methodist church much at all, but they did, um, baptize all of their kids. So myself, my sister, and my brother were all baptized Catholic, actually. Were you really? Yeah, for cultural kind of things. I think there was, you know, know, that was just what what they did. But but when I was four, um, my parents became what you would call born again. They they really had a profound uh, spiritual experience of accepting Christ as their savior and became very involved with a very charismatic evangelical church. And so I actually remember this very clearly. Like this is not some foggy, distant, like I kind of think I remember this memory. You know, these are very, very clear memories of this happening in their lives. Such the thing that really I remember very clearly is um, when we would go to bed at night, my dad used to come in and pray with us. uh, And he would, we would say, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, that prayer. Well, One night he came in and we were about to launch into that prayer. And he said, he stopped us and he said, no, we're not going to pray that prayer anymore. We're going to pray from our hearts. 
and just talk to the Lord and whatever. So this was the beginning of, you know, in a way, I'm sure it did come out of a little bit of rote prayer bad, you know, extemporaneous prayer good. And so we (laughs) made this move. Um, But so not long after that, one of the things that this they used to do as a church, they used to have um, prayer meetings in the homes where they would come together and just like dig into God's word and, and, and enter into time of what I'm going to call charismatic prayer. And the way I'm going to define that is, is that instead of just having prayer where everyone kind of like says the same prayers together or even just kind of says their own thing, you know, ask God for whatever the requests are, they really, you know, spend time opening themselves up to the Holy Spirit and whatever comes out, like whatever comes out through the power of the Holy Spirit during that time of prayer. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's an intercessory prayer. Maybe it's a word of prophecy. Maybe, but at times it was speaking in tongues. And I remember walking into this setting once in my home where people were speaking in tongues as a very young child and I was very frightened by yes, it. Yes, yes. It was confusing to me. I mm-hmm. didn't understand it. I was, I was too young to understand it right. at that point. So, um, so that's how it started. Where my first introduction to the concept of the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, and then as I grew up in the church, and it became just more commonplace to me, normal. Lots of people do this. Not a big deal, you know. Then it trans, it kind of transformed for me from being something that was frightening to something that I desired, yeah. but I didn't receive it. Well, well, I have to say, I got to interject. The first time I ever heard it, I was is in a Catholic church, and it was a charismatic mass. This mm-hmm. is many years ago, twenty five plus years ago, and I too was frightened. I mean, I'm an adult at this point, but mm-hmm. I was a little. It was like it, it dinged some like really like, okay, I'm not really sure about this. Is this of the Lord? I mean, that was Mm -hmm. really what I was wondering. Sure. And that was my first introduction to it. Is this really of the Lord? And my intuition said some, some maybe yes, and some maybe no. Right. So there's a discernment that goes behind it. So if you're there, we understand. Right. And I also think that the point that you bring up is, is this for real? For some people or some people faking it. That was a question that also came into me as I got older and I saw all these people doing it. And I was I didn't have it like it wasn't happening in me. And so I had this sense of, okay, either some people are faking it or there's something wrong with me Mm. that I'm not receiving it. See, I didn't, it didn't go in my head, well, this is a spiritual gift and not everybody gets all the spiritual gifts because that's right, just right. the way the spiritual gifts work. Like well, I didn't have the maturity to understand well, that. Well, let me ask you point. this. Did you have uh, other family members in your home that had oh, the gifts? my parents both ah. exhibited it. My, my sister at some point exhibited it as well. Wow. And so I felt very outside of what was mm. happening all around me. And, and you're still small at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, at this point where I'm like more desiring it and whatever, I was more, you know, maybe preteen kind of age. Um, and so this sense of, okay, either in order to have this thing, you either have to be faking it or you have to have something that I don't have. That's the kind of the way I looked. And, and I, you know me, Pam, like even from being young, I am so ordered towards truth. Mm. Like it's a big mover in my life. And so there was like, 
I am not faking it. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to fake it. Mm-hmm. But then there, but so then the, I settled in the, well, there's maybe there's something wrong with me. That's something that's not pleasing to me, but pleasing to the, the Lord. Lord about me. But there was also still this fear that lingered about it. Cause I, I, you know, when I would try to like be in that position where I'd like make myself try, like try to be open to receiving it as a gift, there was a fear that would always creep into my heart. And we you know what the fear was? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be controlled. Ooh. I don't want like my mind to be taken over. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to be in possession of my speech. Like mm-hmm. it was frightening to me, this idea of being overtaken. Right. Even by, even if it was by the Holy spirit, like to just, out of control right oh you know and so you know at that stage of life I kind of like after you know never I never did receive it in that church at all went away to high school and during the time of high school was the beginning of me starting to question a lot of things and kind of grow a little bit less devout I'll say um but you know I was on my own at that point like when I left um home I went away to boarding school for two years at the end of high school um and then went right to college after that so by the time I you know finished my sophomore year in high school I'm pretty much on my own to the large degree and I did not engage in a faith community after that for a long period of time I was it was pretty much me and Jesus and the Bible when I wanted to and so this idea of speaking in tongues was totally left you know in the in the history of of life it was like okay yeah that was just stuff that happened at the church that i grew up in i'm not really going to church anymore now and you know i pray occasionally but it's nothing that was a i would call a deep or profound prayer life at all for a long period of time now i can't get into the whole story during the time that we have of all my conversion back to faith and everything so we're going to fast forward now i went through you know college medical school Early part of marriage and having, you know, having young children, you know, just starting to have my children where I was either, you know, sort of Christian light where it was not a huge part of my life, but I was a believer to being a time where I was agnostic. And then I, through a profound conversion experience, not only came back to faith in, in the Lord, but also became Catholic. So then once that happened, I became Catholic. I was just like all in about the Catholic faith, just all in, in love with a much more traditional bent. So since I grew up in a real charismatic, you know, full gospel church and everything with no liturgy, like it was all, it was very free form. Mm -hmm. I felt very drawn to the more traditional elements of Catholicism and the liturgy and, and, and all those sort of things. And so being of that bent to begin as a Catholic, I was miles away from charismatic stuff because i mean i think you you can admit pam that in general within the catholic milieu those who are more ordered towards traditional liturgy sacred music latin these kind of things they tend to be less drawn towards things like spiritual gifts of 
charisma of the, of the charismatic sort of speaking in tongues, healings, prophesying. That's sort of, would you agree? Uh, for the most part, uh, my experience was a little bit different because my daughter um, Mary now Hall, Mary Hall and her husband, Brandon, who was in seminary for a while, desired to be a part of community. And, you know, I'm not going to know the name of the community, but they embraced very traditional aspects of Catholicism as well as charismatic. Mm -hmm. So I got a little peek into that. That the both and is a possibility. Yes. And I thought that was actually, it really resonated with me as being authentic. Mm Mm-hmm. But you would agree, though, generally, in general, they th- don't these, seem these to, camps seem to yeah, yeah kind of not there's, be. Well, there's the whole charismatic renewal, which is probably not you know it's too much to go, go into that. Um, but I had to look into that as well. Like, okay, that was a period of time. Mm-hmm. I think in the sixties and seventies in the Catholic Church, uh, where this part and component came in. But I want to say now in the the 2020s, you're starting to see it be reclaimed more authentically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. So, so getting back to the story, um, you know, after I'd been in the church for a while, had, you know, received spiritual direction for a while and was really kind of trying to explore as much aspects of my spiritual life as possible as a Catholic, but with an openness to however the Lord would lead me. And so, you know, I, I kind of briefly, you know, I said to my spiritual director, you know, I, I really feel that these sort of more charismatic uh, Christianity that I grew up around, like there's still things about it that draw me. And, you know, maybe I would, you know, like to explore that a little more. And well, she, my spiritual director revealed to me, that, you know, she had been engaged uh, quite a bit with the charismatic renewal and she herself had the gift of tongues. And that like concept of the gift of tongues coming back at me as a as a thing, like I responded to it in a very within me in an interesting way where I simultaneously felt a desire and a fear. Mm. Like I, I recognized that both of those existed within me. And at that early point of really just kind of like tipping my toe for a second into the concept of these more, you know, traditionally conceived of charismatic gifts. Would you say this is in the first one or two years? No, of- no, this is later. This is probably oh, like okay. how, how far into your about four years. OK, yeah, into, into your faith, into my faith. Yeah, as a Catholic. Uh-huh. I kind of pulled back. I the fear overwhelmed the desire mm. to gr- go deeper into that. Well, fast forward then another couple years. Um, and I am in, you know, I have developed some beautiful friendships and everything in, in the new place where I'm living in the Houston area. And, and in particular have a, uh, one friend who is, I'm really, really close to, like we are very close spiritual sisters. Right. And so we would talk about stuff all the time. And, uh, so we were at together and I was leading a book study and this woman in the book study was talking about how she had what she termed got zapped by the Holy Spirit. And she was talking about how she received yeah. the gift of tongues. Well, uh, the weekend later, that same woman was at a um, retreat that this really close spiritual friend of mine and I were at. And uh, at some point, I guess that my friend and this woman ended up praying together. Well, not long after that, my really, really close friend received the gift of tongues, like on her own, just randomly 
you know, in her own personal prayer. And she told me about it. And I was like, I was really happy for her. Like, I was like, that is awesome. That is beautiful. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit did that for you. And meanwhile, I'm over here thinking this wasn't even on her radar. Like she had no thought, desire, mm. draw towards that, Has had no experience of it. Her life and her Catholic life all growing up had been totally not in that realm. And here the Lord just gave it to her. And so even though I was truly happy for her, so there was no envy in it, there was this little feeling that rose up in me again of like, what's wrong with me, Lord? Mm. Like, why, why would you not give it to me? And, and it tweaked within me the place where the enemy most often would attack me as it related to things of faith, which was, he would whisper to me, you're an imposter. Oh, ugh. Hurts me. All of it, mm. all of your, what you looks like to everybody is this beautiful zeal and, and love for the Lord. And it's all fake because you don't have any evidence. There's no evidence. And that's what this, in the lie of the enemy that he told me when I was younger, that there's something wrong with you. It was like, this became the thing that was evidence that you were really a Christian, that you really, that the Holy Spirit, like really, oh. it was like his, you know, sort of seal of approval on you. The gift, yes. The, you know, that uh -huh. said, yep, you're real. And so oh. it like kind of stirred up some more stuff in me. And then after that, not long after that, I'm at a lunch with this woman who I'm friends with, who herself is an evangelical Christian, but she's super in love with Jesus. And like, lo we love to talk about the Lord together. And so we're at lunch and out of the blue, I don't even know why it came out of her mouth. She said, so do you have the gift of tongues or prayer language? I think she called it, do you have prayer language? And I was like, um, do you mean the gift of tongues? And, and she said, yeah. I said, no, the Lord hasn't given me that gift. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, I'm really surprised. <laughs> and like she wasn't trying to be yucky at all. Yeah, sure. But when I heard that, it was like a dagger to my heart. Because it was like, see, people think that you would have these things, but you don't because you're not real. Oh. Like, and, and so, you know, it really took me into this dark place, you know. And where was this on the timeline? This is a year ago. Oh, okay, I mean, so okay, this is okay, all getting more recent, recent real right. recent, right? And so I, you know, took it to spiritual direction. Yeah, it's like, you know, I need to work through this because this is stealing my peace. I'm mm. feeling like my peace being stolen. And um, so I take the spiritual direction and I will never forget the spiritual direction because in the end, this ended up taking four hours of spiritual direction. Like this is unheard of. Like normally this would never happen that you would spend this much time in spiritual direction, but it just so happened that the Lord ordained it, that my director had time and she could tell that this was really serious. And so as I started unpacking how I was feeling about this whole thing, this feeling of fear and oppression like descended on me so powerful so powerfully that my director looked at me and said, Megan, are you going to pass out right now? Because if you are, I don't know what to do. Like she physically saw the oppression wow. pushing on me. And there was such fear in me. Like I, 
I felt like I was either going to vomit or pass out or whatever. And I just knew at that moment, like the enemy has attached himself to this place in me mm. that I have on a, I have a, like literally a demonic attachment mm -hmm. in this place. And we unpacked it more and recognized that that little girl who was afraid and this idea of the fear that the Lord would control me and be, be a, a power over me that would be a negative thing in my life was the place where the enemy was lying to me. And I was believing the lie mm -hmm. about my unworthiness, my, my being an imposter, all these things. And so together in prayer, we prayed, you know, some deliverance prayers where I would renounce these spirit that was over yes, me. Yes. And I just like had, I just was crying and, and just releasing it all. And it was very beautiful. Well, the next weekend I go on retreat myself and I'm all, it just so happened that there was people that were supposed to come to this retreat with me, but they couldn't come for whatever reason. So I was literally at a retreat alone. And so one night I go out to pray the stations of the cross outside. And this is like my spiritual place with me and the Lord, like the, the stations are such the, profound place of spiritual growth for me. So I'm praying the stations. And when I get to the station where Jesus is being nailed to the cross, for some reason, the idea of speaking in tongues came up to me again. And that sense of him being controlled, like he's so controlled in that moment, right? Where he's being nailed. He no longer has free movement or anything. And I just, when I, when the, uh, the thought of it came to my mind, I started to feel that fear rise mm -hmm. up in me again and I rebuked it. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to succumb to this enemy wanting to come back in this place to me again. Mm. And so I went to the next station, which is Christ dies on the cross. And I kneeled there and I said, Lord, I'm staying here until you give me something to, to just draw me out of this place and, and teach me something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I stayed there it, in the dark kneeling for like a while and I'm nothing, nothing, nothing. I was like, but Lord, I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going to leave. I'm, I'm expecting something from you. And so after some time, he said, like, I just felt him say in my heart, go to my mother. And I went to the next station, which is, of course, Jesus is laid in Mary's arms. And I just started going after Mary. I was like, Mary, you promised that as anyone comes to you, you're like, seeks your aid, seeks your intercession, we will not let go unaided. And so I'm telling you right now, Mary, I need your help. I need your help in this area because I'm struggling and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to take it and I'm coming to you and I'm expecting an answer. And so I was, I was just like, all right, Mary, I'm just going to be really super honest right now. I want this gift. I want it. I want it really badly. And the reason I want it is because I want proof. I feel like I need proof that I'm real, that I really am this Christian that I say that I am, you know, and I just poured it out to her. And she, it's like, I just sensed that she was looking at me with just love mm. and she smiled. And then I sensed that Jesus standing next to her and she kind of just like points to her son and was like, son, you want to say something? Mm. <laughs> Just like in the wedding feast to Cana, right, right? right? Do whatever he tells you. And he looked at me and, you know, this is not a vision, vision, but in my heart. And he says, you already have the gift of tongues. It just comes out in English. Mm. And I just <laughs> like, just started laughing. I was like laughing. I was like, yeah, 
I can accept that. I've heard that. Like that. Oh, you. I'm people. You the way you speak. And so you know, I've never heard somebody say it like like. It's like I can accept that. Mm. And I was so joyful, and I was laughing. But then I just like I had this thing that well up in me and moved. And I was like, I said to the enemy, "You no longer have power over me in this place anymore." And not only do you no have no longer have power to like bind me here. I am now loose and I'm going to use this power the Lord has given me to just fight you in every place that I can. Mm. Like, you know, I am going to speak for the Lord and I'm going to feel free and not going to have these doubts anymore. And so that's where I was at. And I was so happy. And I was like, I'm, I was done. Like I didn't have, I didn't need anything else other than that. Well, the following week, that's when we did that podcast. Like yes. I came, you remember I came in, I said, Pam, we got to talk about charismatic Catholicism. I'm That's just right. feeling like we need to talk about it. And you're like, okay, you seem yeah. fired up. Whatever. Yes. And you were, it was a great episode. So we do encourage y'all to go back and find that one. Yeah. So I was just like on fire talking about this, right? Well, after I left the studio, I'm driving home and I start listening to a uh, episode, like a, a YouTube video of, um, Renewal Ministries was doing um, a Pentecost like sort of, you know, revival kind of thing. They were they were having some prayer meetings and talking and, and talks and stuff because Pentecost was coming or had come. And so uh, what happened was I was started listening to that. And Peter Herbeck, I don't know if any of y'all know him from Renewal Ministries, but look up Renewal Ministries. They're awesome. They awesome. have so much great stuff. But um, he starts they're finishing up a talk that he's doing that was about, you know, spiritual gifts and things like that. And he's like, let's just enter into a time of prayer and worship. And so they start praying worship music, playing worship music. And he's praying out loud, you know, on this YouTube video. And then he starts speaking in tongues on the mm. YouTube video. And I heard it and no longer did I have any fear. I heard it into me in that moment. It sounded like a lullaby. Mm. It was, there was a sweetness to the sound of it that, I had never experienced before because it, it had always been so wrapped up in yuckiness. Right. And so at that moment, I just started praising the Lord and thanking him out loud in the car for all the people in my life who had ever had the gift of tongues that were a witness to me mm. for my, you know, for the gift that my parents gave me of, of this, you know, evangelical upbringing of my spiritual director of my dear, precious friend of all these beautiful people who had, you know, just been witnesses in my life. And so I'm just praying that out loud, just all this gratitude. And all of a sudden, I just start speaking in tongues. Wow. Out loud in the car. Like, it just, it wasn't, it, there was no sense of being controlled or overpowered. It just was a welling, wow. a welling, like a spring that flowed out of me. And I knew what was, what I was like, forming in my head as far as concepts right, and everything, right. but it would just, it came out in this language. And so your prayer language, yeah, the <laughs> prayer language. And there it was. And, wow. and, you know, it has become this beautiful place of intimacy with the Lord. It's not something that I do publicly much at all, unless I feel moved to pray over somebody with that. And, and I always know that, it, that I'm in a place that it's, I, it's not going to, I like perceive if it's something that something would be able to receive or not. And so I'm very conscientious of that, but it has become this beautiful place that anytime the Lord, like I need to feel like I want to go into deep, deeper intimacy with him. It's there. Mm. 
but it's never forced. And it, it also does, does create this bulwark against any time the enemy comes in with some of those lies again. I'm like, you know what? I can't claim this for my own. I can't fake this. This is real and it's of the Lord and it's a gift that he's given in his love because when I surrendered the idea that I needed it, he wanted it for me as a gratuitous, over-the-top, wonderful gift of expression of love. And so it's just been a wonderful aspect of now my spiritual life. It actually becomes also a touch point of, I know that if I haven't gone into that place of prayer in a while, that I'm probably not putting myself in a proper place to really yes. receive him. So now I, know, I recognize we're done with time, Crazy. but I just, one will say one thing. I ended up telling the story to my, this woman who's an evangelical that told me that, you know, I'm surprised you don't have it. Mm -hmm. And she was astounded because she said, you know what? That day you received it, I was praying for you in <gasps> tongues that you would receive it. Oh, my word. Amazing. The Lord does amazing oh. supernatural things in this world. And he will do amazing supernatural things in the lives of believers if we simply trust that he can and he desires it. So I just Amen. say, open your heart. Don't put preconceived notions on anything that he may or right. may not do because he is a God of surprises. He is. And God of the details. Amen. And a gratuitous, generous lover mm. who will never be outdone in generosity. Amen. So, well, here we are at the end of our podcast and radio show. So typically I will end the, the podcast, we would end it with God bless Megan and Pam. But today we'll do a little different with the roundup too, saying go and love your neighbor. Amen. Amen.